From Hong Kong, Chicago and the city of Stoke-on-Trent, this is the Classic Lenses Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 124. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Johnny Sisson and Perry G. Hello Johnny. Hello. And hello Perry. Hello. Johnny, what's the weather like in Chicago? Uh, it's swampy. It's 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 it, it's swampy. It's hot and humid, and it rained overnight because we've got some friggin' they've got some friggin' tropical storm hitting Texas, so that pushes all the hot, nasty ball balls weather up all the way up the all the way up to the Midwest. So it's it's just it's disgusting here. So so has this weather got anything any connection with this weather in your latest Facebook ban? Uh, with what? I'm sorry. What happened? I'm just wondering if this weather's got anything to do with your latest Facebook ban. Oh no, no. I, I'm apparently on the radar of the Facebook uh, police bots now. So I think they just look for certain keywords, and I and apparently you get instantly banned now for saying certain keywords. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly why, but so, I'm having a fun time trying to figure it out. So any, any idea what the, any of these keywords might be? Um, they seem to be offended by the statement that Americans are stu- too, too stupid to own guns or have babies, <laughs> which I don't think is offensive in any way. I think it's, you know, but apparently that's, that, that, was, that was flagged as hate speech. So... <laughs> You can you can go ahead and 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 do your white supremacy stuff on Facebook. That's cool, but you can't you can't joke about people producing children. Stupid people with guns producing children is off limits. So that's all I can figure. I don't know. Uh, that's all I got for you. Welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. I I I trust the communists with uh, censorship more than Facebook. I think at this point. I mean, at least they're at least they're good at it. At least they're competent at it. There's a level of consistency there, isn't there, I guess? Exactly, exactly. If you're going to do it, you might as well be good at it. So, um, let's let's head over from the tyranny of, uh, <laughs> of, of Facebook and um, head over to the, um, the beacon of freedom of the <sighs> city of, uh, of Hong Kong because um, last week uh, was a complete love-in uh, for Rolleiflex and... Um, Things have moved on a little bit since we last spoke, haven't they, Perry? Yeah, this uh, this week was supposed to be Rolleiflex week because uh, I have a week off, and you know the the virus is rampaging here, so everything is getting closed down. Uh, so last Thursday, after uh, you know we spent a bunch of time on la- uh, the last episode talking about the Rollercord, which I really enjoyed shooting. So I went I went looking for Rolleiflex. Um, and I went to a neighborhood that has around a dozen, at least a dozen camera stores. Um, and the fourth store I checked, they had a Rolleiflex 2.8C Xenotar, uh, for a pretty good price and you know, it looked okay. So I, I, I checked this thing through, uh, I bought it and I immediately went out and I shot three rolls of film on it, a roll of Lomo 400, uh, a roll of XP2 and a roll of HP5. And... Apparently, I don't know anything about TLRs uh, because when I got back, uh, it turns out there's like a thousand different things I should have checked beyond 
um, you know, is the lens, does the lens look okay? Does the, do the moving parts move? And is the shutter relatively uh, accurate sounding? So, um, Anyway, I, I shot with this. It seemed nice. I posted a bunch of pictures, and, and I was uh, relatively happy with the experience until I looked really closely at some of the pictures. And the, there was something weird going on at the edges where the edges were very, very blurry, uh, even at even stop down, like at F11. Um, but then I found this like online uh, website by a dude called Christopher Sanchez where he had like resolution charts for different uh, medium format lenses. And the Rolleiflex 2.8 Zenitar was on there, and the edge resolution was was pretty piss poor according to his tests. So I thought, oh, okay, that's not inconsistent with what I'm seeing. Um, so I post the pictures, and then Simon pops up and goes, "Perry, what the hell is going on in the edges of one of those pictures?" And and I was like, "Yeah, it's strange, right? It almost like like field curvature because there was a boat out in the harbor in the middle of the frame that was sharpish, and the edges looked almost like there was some kind of weird." Like Lomo stuff, but even even the the skyline in the background in the in the centre of the image looked normal. It was out of focus. It was, uh, I mean, the depth of field was actually quite considerable in that shot because it had some people mm-hmm. in the foreground, and that boat was a you know good way out into the harbour. Yeah. Um, so that was you know, very well judged depth of uh, focus in there, uh, Perry. Um, and uh, <laughs> but yeah, the the behind the boat it was out of focus in the way that you'd expect it to be. Um, but then mm-hmm. the further you moved out towards the edges, it, 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 it wasn't just out of focus, it was it was just wrong. And mm-hmm. it was reminiscent of that time when I was, um, well, when I actually slagged off a roll of uh, 30-year-old Tri-X for not being very good and, <laughs> and, and saying that Tri-X is rubbish as a result of that experience. And... Um, and really, I was being a little bit unfair to Tri-X in general because it was 30-odd years old and could have been stored on a radiator. And secondly, uh, my my scanning uh, that I'd done of it was really poor, uh, mm. in particular the edges. And I'd, I was having this kind of trouble as well when I was being scanning my Horizon Panorama pics. I thought there was something wrong with the camera um, at both edges because they were just, just really just just off. And what it was, they, they, the film plane... Uh, wasn't flat uh, all the way to the edge and this was your shots were giving this this similar kind of weird effect at, at, at the edges and so I was my my first line of questioning with you was have you scanned these right yeah what what does the what does the negative look like yeah uh that yeah, yeah that was your the first thing you asked and and it was um the the thing is, one of the roles, the HP5, I developed at home and scanned it myself. Uh, and then the other two roles were lab processed and lab scanned. Um, and the same issue was on all three roles. I and mean, I, I did look at the negatives and they did have like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little hard to tell, but not that difficult when it's that blurry on the edge. So it was clearly on the negatives. It wasn't really, it, it wasn't a scanning issue. Yeah. So, so, so mm-hmm. what was it? What was the next step? Because I mean, you've, you've, you started uh, throwing figures at me, like saying, "Well, see, the tars on 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 very good at the edges," and you're just like, "You could you could you could tell it was a case of is 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 Perry in denial over this? Is he is he now seeking statistical information to back to back up uh, um, what he's looking at as being not a fault with the camera? Please don't be a fault with the camera. Look at these statistics; they say it's rubbish at the edge." Or, or I I actually felt deep down inside he was thinking. 
no this this is this is more than that there there is something wrong uh with 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 my camera so yeah I, yeah i think i knew that something was screwed up but those numbers just gave me pause and i was like is this normal is this is this what everyone raves about so i i started asking um and then johnny starts like sending a bunch of his rolleiflex pictures and uh no that their edges look look fine <laughs> uh with exactly the same lens um so yeah i mean i went on Flickr as well and and most of the pictures aren't of the nature where you could tell there's this kind of issue anyway because you know when when there's like shallow depth of field then the edges being wacky doesn't really make that big of a difference right yeah so um yeah but after i sort of sort of saw johnny's pictures um and, and saw a few others that were like, you know, had had hyperfocal depth of field. I knew there was something wrong. Uh, so I so, so then Johnny and I started trying to diagnose it. And he started listing out all this stuff about roll, Roloflexes and TLRs that I was like, what the hell? I, I have to check all this stuff? What is this crap? There's like collimation. There's like the front standard has to be parallel. There's like some crap about the lenses having to be lined up. The film plane pressure plate has to be, you know, properly in place the back can't be deformed um there's all this stuff and i was like "Ah, what is all this crap right cameras are supposed to be simple um and so after we tried to diagnose it for a while i just i just i just went and returned the camera (laughs) got a ate the restocking fee and the roloflex was with me for a day and a half uh and then it's gone so did they did they say did, did they come up with a reason as to what it was likely to be or between yourself and johnny have you have you got what 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 are the the main theories as to what was wrong well the shop had no idea because they hadn't tested film on it but um okay johnny help me remember what the stuff was that you had me go through uh, number one it was missing some well, crap was, in the bottom yeah it was missing the locks locks for the shutter release and for the uh uh the pc connection for flash sync i mean I, that immediately that immediately had me suspicious <laughs> because this, somebody had the camera apart and didn't see fit to return it back to its previous state so i was a little concerned about that there there's just a lot of red flags with me, all medium format stuff but that would be a red flag on that camera for me um so but yeah so it i mean it sounds like what the the uh, the result was of trying to figure it out was your lens board isn't squared up well it could have been a lot of different issues right because the first thing you did was you asked me to check the lens and, and i had obviously done that already right um, and they were just cleaning marks but otherwise it looked fine you know you know what kind of stuff is gonna affect yeah. the image quality and there was nothing there that was gonna affect the image quality right um there was no haze, right? There was nothing, no, no balsam separation, just cleaning marks. Right, uh, right. And so then you were saying, okay, the lenses may have been sort of taken apart and not re- reinstalled properly. Something about dead nuts being seated in place. And all I know about nuts and seats is you shouldn't sit on your own nuts. So <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Well, well right, I mean, right. I mean, the, um, you know, an unlikely cause would be that the, if the lens was taken apart and clean that it wasn't reassembled correctly like one of the elements was out of out of center basically but i think that'd be pretty hard to do in a camera like that um Uh given the construction of it so that 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 seemed a pretty unlikely uh condition as well 
So then we looked at film flatness, and you said like there shouldn't be any play or looseness when it's closed and no warping. Right. And I noticed that there was a little bit of play. The back was slightly dented uh, or slightly warped inwards. Yeah. Um, but the pressure plate felt fine. Um, and so that was the next kind of working theory. Although, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately the pressure plate moves, right? Like even if it's the right shape. So I would think that as yeah. long as the pressure plate is okay, a little bit of uh, wackiness in the back wouldn't make that big of a difference. Yeah, it would have to be. It would have to be pretty, pretty severe. Because like um, it, the film would have to be curling at that point in order for it to have the look that it did in the actual final image. Right. That so that one would be you know would be a fairly unusual circumstance, I think. Right, and and then yeah. Simon chimes in saying, you know, because uh, you know, on different rolls of film, it looks worse on some rolls than others. So maybe it is a film flatness issue, um, but it was clearly visible on the color shots as well, which which overall right. looked better. And I, I I noticed it in the first roll. I thought this depth of field looks really weird. And part of this is your fault that made me think maybe this is normal because when when I first got the Rolleiflex, you sent a bunch of info you were saying all this crap about how you like a roller is not a depth of field camera and depth of field works weird on six by six and i was like is this what johnny was talking about is this like i shoot six by six and i've never seen this before but maybe i'm an idiot and there's something special no my the way depth of field looks on a roller cord and it's supposed to be like crazy field curvature no my 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 point on that was i i mean it's more an aesthetic thing that i i think that a lot of six by six shots look really weird if the depth of field is if the lens is open too much um, because you get a lot of distracting things in the foreground that are too much out of focus compared to the rest of the scene. So it's more of an aesthetic thing. You know what I mean? Um, Versus a, 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 something kind of inherent in the, in the camera. Um, Okay. So yeah, that was my yeah. I think I, I think Roloflexes are are best. I think six by six stuff looks almost like always looks best if it's stopped down a lot because of the square format. I, I, I can't help thinking this just coming from Johnny. I don't do bokeh uh, sisson, um, and and I, well, they're, they're, yeah, they're not they're not bokeh cameras though. I mean, they're just they're kind of not you know. Um, I mean that's that's very. I I, I get that and. But you know the the focal lens, a normal focal lens, so you know equivalent to fifty mil on thirty five mil and full frame. So you get if you get doing people shots, you tend to be doing like um, it's it's not just head and shoulders; you're getting torsos and things like that. Right. And I mean, I've done a, a couple of uh, photo, a couple of shots at three point five with my roller cord last year, and they were lovely. Uh, yeah. For yeah. That, for that reason. Yeah, they they can work. It's just I think it's a it's more of a framing thing. It's because it's a square format. I think you tend to get, um, you can easily get more stuff in the in the very foreground with closer distance shots that um, might be distracting. Is all I'm saying. Well, um, I don't know. I find when I'm shooting like my Bronica S two or my six by six range finders um it i really like shooting them wide open because the shallow depth of field to me works really really well in that format yeah i like i said i think it's an aesthetic thing i just i i find a lot i i don't like most of my shots 
with the Rolleiflex period, and the ones I have the most problems with are, um, you know, the ones where there's uh, a distracting depth of field issue, right? Where really the whole scene should have been the same uh, kind of uh, the 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 focus should have been even across the scene, and it was and it wasn't. So I mean, to me, like I said, it's probably more a personal aesthetic thing. I think that a lot of six by six stuff. Um, if it, it, it depends a lot on the scene, but it, it can, things can look really distracting if you don't have a lot of depth of field. Okay. Well, well, I, I, I was sitting there feeling like an idiot thinking, uh, do I not know how depth of field is supposed to work on six by six? I didn't know it was different. Um, but so technically, so then that got me thinking, okay, maybe this is normal. Maybe everything is fine. Um, and then, uh, and then I pointed out to you that the front standard was not perfectly parallel right? Um, and was kind of sticking out by like a millimeter or two. And I think our final conclusion, Simon, was that that was the source of the screwed upness. Yeah, yeah that's that's the problem. That So that was when going back to like the, one of the, the first questions I had was, is does the lens board look square and even all the way around mm-hmm. um, it that that I've seen that many times on TLRs where as sometimes the you can see it when the lens is retracted all the way and there's either a gap that's not even there's not an even it's either not flush with the camera body or there's a gap on one side and not the other but sometimes as you focus you 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 will actually notice the problem change as you focus the camera and it sounds like that is what was going on so essentially you're you know the middle of the lens you're always shooting through the middle of the lens even if the 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 lens elements are essentially tilted right off of the axis right because you're still shooting through the middle but the closer you are to the edge the more off axis that lens is so you're seeing it more in in the sides which is why it makes perfect sense because your corners fell off really harshly like yeah. you didn't, it, it was not like an even fall off it was like a sudden loss of dramatic loss of resolution right yeah. and that that totally makes sense because a zenitar is i mean regardless of people's self-reported and keep in mind, those are always self-reported numbers, mm-hmm. always self-reported numbers when people are doing edge sharpness, et cetera. Um, it's in, that's in no way scientific. It's objective. So th- 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 that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, th- but it totally makes sense that if the lens is, you know, tilting on the axis. Yeah. Further out as you, you know, as you're focusing like towards infinity or whatever, it totally makes sense. So, um, yeah, that, that's, it's super, it's, that's super logical. Yeah, it, do, it does make sense. Cause I mean, I, it, it, I recall Jason Lane, um, he and I were discussing that Avanon lens we talked about a little while back and how its edges were crap. And he was like, oh, crap edges are usually a result of some lens element, uh, or some part of the lens not being seated properly. Right. Um, with the Avanon is normal cause they're all like that, but <laughs> <laughs> But the Zenitar uh, clearly is, is not supposed to be, so. 
Well, just I, I want to ask you uh, talk a little bit more about the Zenitor in, in, in a moment, but uh, there was a yeah. piece of advice I was given a long time ago when looking at uh, roly cords and roly flexes uh, to purchase. And if you if you are not in a position to actually truly test. Um, the, the, the camera which is usually the case um, somebody once told me that if there was any sign of damage to the uh, to the to the to the front well let's call it the front standard the the, the front part of the lens that comes out on bellows any yeah. part, any damage of that at all um, he would walk away yeah um, and and because it's just so easy to actually knock knock it out of alignment Mm. Um, so uh, yes, I mean I, I'm sure that an experienced um, repairman, uh, repair person, I should say, um, would be capable of you know, squaring something up. But it's I guess there's I guess there's a degree about how far you can actually repair one of those and ever truly get it straight. Well, the the but the issue with that is um, there's these on the if you think about the mechanism that slides the lens board forward and back. It's, it's too, you know, it's kind of what you would imagine if you try to visualize it. It's two kind of slides on each side of the camera. And if they're just not adjusted correctly, you know, that can be the result. So it's, it's I mean, it's very fixable. And I, I mean, I've, and I've had collimation issues with my Roloflex. That was one of the reasons I got it serviced, um, my 2.8C. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very, I've seen that, I mean, frequently. Um, and if a camera has been dropped or banged harshly, <laughs> I mean, that can result too. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know. To me, I don't – buying medium format cameras sight on scene to me is super problematic because there's just – there's more that can be well, – first of all, it's most people don't know – unless you're really familiar with the camera, you – you're not sure what you're buying. So you don't know what the particular issues are to look out for that type of camera. Right. Mm. Um, so there's, there's that. Uh, and, and I mean, I, you know, I just, I feel like it's one of those cameras that's, you know, they're really hard to buy on just like eBay. If you don't know what you're buying, because you're not going to know it's wrong until maybe you've put 10 rolls of film through it and you start to think, wow, yeah, how come it always does this? You know what I mean? It's, so they're, I, I find them, I, I think they're tricky cameras to buy um, sight unseen and they're tricky cameras to buy if you just uh, ha aren't as familiar with the, with the workings of them, you know? Yeah, because, you know, the, the subject was always sharp. Um, e even though I noticed the issue on the first roll, I can imagine uh, someone who's not as, like, lens obsessed wouldn't necessarily notice that that quickly, you know, because the subject, it, that, the focus was perfect. The subject was always sharp. It was just when there was a certain distance um, with the background uh, at right. all apertures, the edge would just go nuts. Um, and for some people, like, you know, if you're shooting wide open, close up all the time, that just, that's fine. Who cares? Um, and, and it wouldn't necessarily bother you, right? But I deliberately took a shot of the Hong Kong skyline at F11 um, just to test this because it was at infinity. And it was, it was the same thing. It was completely screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, any, any, any Roloflex at inf infinity like that, sat down, should be super, super sharp to the corner. Right. right. And, and that's one of the things that, that, that I think is really important with a fixed lens camera. I mean, it's fine if you've got a, uh, an interchangeable lens camera that you know, a certain lens will have a certain characteristic and uh, you know, be 
very poor on the edges or or what or whatever because a, a lens that's poor at the edges can you can still do something with it in the main uh, i think when it goes more to wide angle then that starts to be a bit more problematic but um but th th that's that's one of the joys of classic lenses is to be able to use the right lens for the for the, for a particular circumstance and no one yep. lens can do them all but with a fixed lens camera well actually your lens has got to do as many things as humanly possible and and having a lens that's that's weak at the edges for general photography can be a, a bit of a, a bit of an issue um, because it can cause a, a distraction especially to lens lens nerds like us um, and and just want to come back to that website link that you you sent through which so so there were um, this chap on there had uh, counted up uh, lines per millimeter uh, mm -hmm. in the center in the middle and at, at the edges and yes we, we we don't know how good a job that he, he was doing or he was doing but it done the same test on many lenses so at least you would hope that it was consistent in his process um, so yeah if he is counting 86 lines per millimeter well we don't know how good he is at doing that but it should more or less do the same on another count on another lens with the, with the same subject you, you would mm -hmm. hope and the um the the, the zenitar uh, results were were quite remarkable um, I think from about 5.6 to f8 was the was the peak sharpness with it, um, and the, the the numbers were really high. They were well over into 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 the 100 lines per millimeter. Yeah, and uh, and then they would drop off quite quite a fair bit. And yeah. then you would look at other other uh, rollies with maybe tessars or planars or zenars, and they were they were more in line with what you would you, you would come to expect. Um, mm -hmm. with with the sharpness and certainly this this zenitar the center sharpness was sharper than anything by a mile um but at the same time where it'd be up in the in the, you know, the the low hundreds um the edge sharpness would be i don't know about 36 or something like like that whereas uh with the with the other comparable lenses they'll be much higher at the edges they wouldn't reach the same heights in the center but they would just be normal which part of was there thinking and this was Go, taking things back the other way uh, when Perry was using the, these figures to think well this is what I'm looking at and it, it sort of works works in the opposite way 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 round as well as in like a faulty lens might be justifying these these odd figures in this in the same way um, mm. so I don't know how representative that that lens that he tested was but it just seemed very odd that there were real extremes between uh, yeah. sharpness to it, it didn't that's why i say it didn't make any sense i mean he may have had a bad sample that he was working with i mean maybe i i don't know mm -hmm. but that that's certainly it's they're planars they're they're really ultimately no different and performance wise they should be no different but so but i mean i i after this whole you know, ordeal. I, I did go online and I looked up a bunch of MTF charts for mm -hmm. the Rolex like 2.8 lenses. Um, and consistently across all of the tests I saw, all the MTF charts published, uh, there was a dramatic fall off of resolution on the edges. But at the same time, you know, a fall off in resolution does not necessarily manifest itself in the kind of smearing that I saw. No, exactly. You know, yeah. like yeah. visually, it, it may still look sharp, even if like, you know, 30 lines per millimeter is still a freaking huge number of lines, like it, within a millimeter, right? So perceptually, it can still look sharp, especially if you're viewing the image, you know, not blown up massively. 
Um, so I think I think there's there is a danger in, in looking at an MTF chart and expecting like low. I think what the mistake I made was I interpreted low MTF figures in the edge as corresponding with like out of focus or like smearing. Right, right, right. So, so. What, what what is it about the the the, the Zenitar that makes it so? Um, so so desired compared to uh, a, an equivalent planar. Uh, so I mean, this Stop is going to eventually apart segue. From, I was going to say, apart from starting with the letter X, which obviously makes it cooler. I, I mean, I think this is going to segue into Simon's Rolleiflex gas, which has which has popped up. Um, but for me, the reason I, I wanted to, the reason I chose the Zenitar was a few reasons. Uh, number one, it the C has ten aperture blades, so that was. That was a, a motivation. I think the, I think the planar does as well. Um, but just I, I looked up a bunch of pictures, and the planar is very zicey, is very contrasty, um, and I just I liked the results from the Zenitar a little more. They the the tone curve in the grays was a little more satisfying to me. But mm. overall, it just it, it popped a bit more to my eye. But ultimately, both look both of them look really good. I just think Schneider's Zenitar sounds cooler. So <laughs> okay, the, the the first first thing I'm going to pick up on here though is uh, is. Ten blades on on the C, um, yeah. so I take it on the 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 later versions they go to uh, eight or something like that or nine. Or, they're, they're five, five, yeah, five. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but of course we don't care about that because we're not trying to to get bokeh shots with no, it. No, no, you know, apart from the bokeh, Simon, the other thing where it really matters is these lenses can flare like pretty intensely when it's backlit. And like five blade pentagonal flare looks like ass compared to round flare. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that that goes back to the days then that when these came out, flare was probably something to be avoided at all costs. So right, and perhaps they just decided, well, people aren't trying to get flare; they're trying to avoid flare. And and people mm-hmm. who buy a camera like this are clever people. Um, so therefore, we don't have to actually do things like that anymore because our users are just so great. <laughs> I don't know why they cut, why they reduce the number of blades. I think they're just cheaper to produce. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, it it just seems. I mean, you, we 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 know why um, SLR automatic SLR lenses uh, dropped from multi, yeah, from many blades down to six. Uh, yeah. became very very common and that's because of the automatic aperture and be able to open and close very very quickly um mm-hmm. that just doesn't apply with yeah. with, with tlrs and I, right I, it just that doesn't make any sense at all other than a than a, a cost saving exercise mm-hmm. yeah that's i think that's probably the best explanation not quite honestly yeah yeah there's no mechanical need to do it that way uh, unlike an SLR, yeah. as you mentioned, right? Well, we're going to we're going to come back to to, uh, to 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 this subject later in the podcast because I've got questions to put to Johnny, um, and that, and that's because uh, Perry's um, uh, eulogising over over his rolly flex uh, in preference to his uh, his rolly cord uh, last week. Um, inspired me to to take my rolly cord out on a um, a trip yesterday. Um, so we took a trip to um, a place called Fleetwood, uh, and uh, which is on the coast. But there's also an estuary there, and in that estuary there are some uh, uh, wrecked boats in the mud. 
and um, we went there as a as a an organised uh, field trip for the Six Towns Darkroom, a socially distanced field trip. So it was the first time I've gone out with a group of photographers um, this year. Yes. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, um, and it was great. It was absolutely fantastic to actually get out with people and and everything that usually go goes with when you you uh, go out with a a group of like-minded people that are uh, more than happy to take the piss out, your, out of you at any opportunity, um, which is exactly what, what, what happened. And uh, we were like waddling around in the mud and stuff like that. And it was, it was, it was just a, a, a great, uh, a, a great day out. And the, um, my initial plan. Um, wait, 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 before we wait, wait, waddling around in the mud. Uh, yeah. Well, the thing is this, this, uh, where these boats are, um, at high tide, uh, the, the, the water would still actually uh, reach the area where we would be standing. So, yeah, there'd be a little bit of uh, greenery, uh, of, of, of you know, grass trying to, to break through, but it, it'd, get, uh, it'd get flooded uh, regularly. So, uh, the, so the soil would just, just turn to mud and silt. So uh, the area itself that you'd, you'd be walking, it was absolutely treacherous. At, at, at times and uh, uh it was amazing that none of us actually managed to 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 completely go you know fall fall over and land flat in it um came very close all i think all of us did at any any given time it was always on the edge of something that was going to happen um so uh so yeah so that that that, that would ex explain the mud but that was meant to be a for me it was meant to be more of a large format trip but i i took uh i think i took six six large format photos which is pretty good going for large format um but i realized that actually i could probably have taken a lot more um but you know i only had eight shots available to me so i thought well okay well it's time to crack open the um the, the rolly flex because I, I decided it's a last minute thing that i would actually take that camera with me uh because i was going to take a, the hasselblad with me but i thought no, take the rolly cord not flex and um and i loaded up with a uh, a roll of forte portrait pan 100 um of uh, uh that's well i think it was expired i mean it's hard to actually tell if it expired or not because the the expiry date had been rubbed off it um so <laughs> um, I went onto uh, the vintage uh, film shooters uh, page uh, that Eric and uh, Mike run and asked the question. I po posted the picture. How old is this stuff? And um, and and this is actually um, a roll from from Eric's dungeon. Um, so uh, it was it was identified as probably a, a, something that expired in the nineties uh, by by the packaging, and it was made in Hungary as well. And apparently it's all it's off decent stuff so um so i'm, I'm looking forward to um seeing how uh, how the roll came out but more to the point though um it was just great just using the roller cord um especially when i was just you know walking around in the mud and i just had this i it around my neck and it, it it sits close very close to your chest um mm -hmm. and it just you can sort of forget you're even wearing it at times and then when you wanted to take the picture, you know, the, the, you just look down into the waist level fine and think, oh, that looks nice. I'll take a picture of that and take it. And it was just, it just seemed ridiculously easy. Once I'd just set it up for, you know, the, the, what I hope was the correct exposure for the, for the lighting conditions. Um, it was just, 
it was just just so easy to use um, mm -hmm. obviously you got that issue with you you turn it from one side to the other and and the the, the horizon goes in the opposite way to to how you're expecting so that that caused me a, a couple of issues just trying to get get things lined up but you know, it's it's a it's it's not it's not the hardest thing in the world to 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 persevere and get get that right um but it was just a it was just such a, a lovely camera to use but the I kept on running into the the problem you get with a rolly cord as opposed to a rolly flex, and that you you take the shot, and then with a rolly flex you just wind it onto the next. With a rolly cord mm -hmm. you've got to do two things: you have to wind it on, uh, you know, wind the roll on, and you have to cock the shutter. And mm -hmm. really, you know, think well, doing two things is not it's not really that hard. Um, but for me, it was it was a case of I would I, I'd probably actually just forget to wind the thing on um whereas so and then when you've forgotten to wind it on and you want to take the shot especially if you want to take it quickly um you've then got to remember oh have i wound it on have i caught the shutter so it's almost like three things can go wrong with a, with, with with a shot that's what it's all what it feels like whereas you know when you're using you know where uh, you know any conventional camera it seems just wind the thing on and it's just ready to go um so that in itself made me think mm, i I quite fancy a Rolly Flex, um, and I can't afford a Rolly Flex, but that's not going to stop me from uh, looking into Rolly Flexes a little bit more. And I know we talked about this last week, but I was only half listening, um, so this, this, <laughs> this week I'm more engaged. So, um, so, 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 Johnny, what, what, uh, what, what Rolly Flex should I be getting? Bear in mind, I want a two point eight because it's two point eight. So let's not bother with the uh, with the three point fives. Oh. Um, okay yeah so uh, uh, why should well, i go for a c instead of an f or all this kind of stuff so uh, to, to to boil the whole thing down in the simplest terms and we we had this conversation pretty much when we were when perry was initially having his gas attack um mm -hmm. so i'm gonna paraphrase the general advice that uh came out of that conversation um but but generally speaking um the the f's the f's are overly expensive um they're, they're just they, they just command a premium um it's like it's like an m6 right it's they just they just simply command a premium because um of what they are by nature i mean it's it's the last model of the classic you know the the classic roloflex they're they, they tend to be newer they tend to be, you know, in better condition. So the, the, the F's just, they just command a premium. So if you look at other models, um, the, the E is essentially very close to being an F. So if you can find an E in, in good condition, you have more or less an, an F. Um, but the E's can be pricey too. So, you know, going one step back, you've got the D's. Um, and the, the D's are excellent. So, I mean, the, the, the C's... Are, can be great, but you, they're just old. I mean, they're, you know, they're 1955 at the newest, basically. So you're just talking about the camera that old. It's probably going to need some, some work. Um, they're really capable cameras, but they're just you're just fighting the age, you know. So I mean, the the sweet spot, the gen generally general consensus on the sweet spot is a, a D or an a, a D or an E. So, are there are there any fundamental differences though be, between them? I mean, you 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 know, taking like Leicas as as, a, as an example, um, I like the M two more than the M three. 
Um, the M4's got some nice features that, yeah, but you're, you're talking ease of use things rather than yeah, the ability to take a better photograph or anything like that. There, it's a, that, yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a good example because I think the Roloflex is any 2.8 model. There, there's way more. There's there's much more um, model differentiation between the Leica M's than there are between all of the Roloflex 2.8 models. Um, I mean, the C the C in a way is a bit of an outlier. There are a few things on that model that are a little a little bit uh, more archaic, um, but. Uh, that you know d e f are all they're they're more similar than say an m3 and an m6 right there's so, less variation than you would have between an m3 and an m6 speaking of leicas so so here's um here's one way that because I, I have the same gas as you simon because uh, now i don't have roloflex anymore um here's one way that that might make this uh effective um johnny i'm, I'm gonna list out features that when i was shooting the roloflex yeah. Were either different from the roller cord, or I, I was, or I noticed them when I was shooting it. Uh, right. And I want you to tell me if they are like uh, the same across all of the models, or okay. if they're unique to each. Okay, sure. number one, uh, interchangeable focus screens. Um, uh, that's more easily done with an E or an F because the they changed the they changed the waist level finder. It just slides right off with the E and the F. So if you want to change the screens out. Yeah, that's a little bit easier on the E and the F. Yeah, um, whereas a tech has to do it for a C or a D, right? Yeah, you're better off because, I mean, you can do it, but it's got to be shimmed back in correctly. And you know what I mean? There's a, more of a chance yeah. that something's going to get screwed up. So, so, so yeah. the roller cord has the easily interchangeable screen. So that's like the E and F. Well, but it depends on which model. You're talking about oh, yeah, yeah. the later the later, mo the the later model right. roller cord. Right, exactly. Right. Okay, cool. So second... Um, the C did something that I found annoying, uh, which is one over 500 seconds. Uh, you can't change it if the shutter is cocked. Right. Uh, so it basically, you either, if you're going to use a hundred, th this happened to me a few times. Um, if you cock the shutter and you're not at one 500 second, you can't use that speed. Right. And if you cock the shutter and you're at that speed, you can't go slower. Right. Because it's, it has an older, uh, shutter design where it's the 500 is on, you know, a, a different spring and it's, it, it has to be tensioned prior to, yeah. you know, you, you got to set the speed and then tension the shutter and then fire it before you can change the speeds. If you're on 500, I mean, it's, I, I but is that on all of them or just, no, the C? that's just on the C okay. so that the D E F are, are not like that. Okay. Next feature. Um, the sweet sports finder with the second mirror. I love that thing. They're all like that. That's awesome. The roller cord does not have that. That is super cool. And that's, right. yeah, because the, ro the roller cord sports finder, like, you, you just have to zone focus with it. Yeah. I, I, I just don't use it. Um, but on the roller flex, that was, that was awesome. Yeah. So, you, you know, right. It has an ability to actually eye level focus yeah. with the sports finder. I mean, it's a, right. it's a little funky, but it totally works. No, but you don't get the sort of backwards flippiness. Like, Simon, does your uh, 4x4 baby rolly have the second mirror? Uh, I don't recall. So what it is on the roll of flex, right, is, you know, the front of the viewfinder, uh, the waist level finder, it pushes in when you want to use the sports finder. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, but I, I don't, yeah. either I didn't try it or it wasn't there. I, I don't, I don't, I just don't know. 
Okay, okay. Yeah, I found that super cool. Like just the secondary magnifier and the secondary mirror for focusing. And then it's like using an external viewfinder. Um, third feature. Uh, do any of them have EV locks like the roller cord? Because the C does not. Um, yes, the, the, the D has, uh, let's see the D and the, I think some of the E models have the, maybe it's just the D I can't remember. Um, but the D has a very easy to override EV lock system. It's, it's, we were talking about this in that conversation too. It's, it's much better implemented than anything that Kodak ever did with EV locks. Mm -hmm. Um, it's way more intuitive and it's very easy to override. Uh, you just literally turn one little dial and it overrides the EV lock. So yeah, the D is really nice if you want that that EV lock. That, I've got to say that was one of the things I, for the possibly for the first time, uh, I really appreciated that EV lock. And just just yeah. just for the sake of those people wondering what what we're talking about, um, that's where you 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 set your shutter speed and your your aperture to what you want it to be. Uh, but to do that, you've you've got to. Um, manipulate the controls in a, in a particular way to get it to that point to defeat the lock. Uh, but once once they were in position, um, say you're at uh, 500th at um, f16 you, and you want to shoot at 250 uh, or you want to shoot at um, the, 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 the next one open. I've gone the wrong way around. Um, <laughs> but um, I just realized I've just made it difficult for myself. But uh, okay, so well, let, let's just stick with that. So if you want it to go to 250, then it will go to f16 just by just by one click so we'll do 250 at f16 or you just do, do click it back and you're at uh, um, 500 at f8 um, so if the light is consistent where you are then you can flip around your your apertures and just choose the shutter speed or the the aperture that you wish to use uh, very very easily rather than moving one and then moving another yeah so yeah. it the, the idea is meter meter once set your exposure and any combination of shutter and aperture from that point will be EV locked, you know, together and will be accurate. So, and any combination of ex of shutter and aperture will yeah. produce a correct exposure. Okay, five five more features that I noticed in shooting. <laughs> ten, ten, ten blades. That's C only, right? Yeah, that's C only. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't quite hear that. Sorry, say again. What's what's that? Ten, ten blades. C only. Oh, ten blades. Yeah. That's that's a big plus for the C. Uh, it's the only plus for the C so far, if you ask me. So far, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, the the meter, because uh, I think the meter looks stupid and none of them work. Um, so I prefer the ones that don't have the meter. Mine, uh, which I have the meter. Yeah, I mean, FYI, both of my, my meters work on my Rolly three point five, uh, my three point five F and two point eight F. They both work. I don't ever use them. I've never used them, but they work. I think I don't, I don't know why I don't know why anybody would want a meter on a DLR, but that's. People yeah. did so, but but which models don't have them? Because I think they look stupid. Uh, the E, the E's, and that well, the E, some of the E's don't have them. They have a kind of a um, an area where the meter would go, but there's no meter there. Um, but the, it's that's it's just the uh, E's and the F's have uh, a, a meter in them. Okay. Um, the, the one thing that surprised me most shooting the roll effect compared to the cord was how inhumanly short that the advance is for, for winding the film and <laughs> right. the shutter. 
are all of it's like a quarter of a turn. It's ridiculous for a six by six. Yeah, it's right? really Whereas fast. the roller cord, you have to crank it like you know four or five times. Right. Um, are they all like that? Yeah, they're all like that. It's cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, next feature: the lock button on the shutter speed and aperture dials. That's only on the C. Annoying as. Fuck. I- I'm honestly, I, I, I'm so used to it that I never even notice they're there. They just automatically, when I turn the dials, they automatically disengage. I, I, I guess if your dials are really smooth, that doesn't matter. But mine were a little bit stiff. And yeah, your camera was, but your camera was fucked up. That's the point. Right, right. You're, but I mean, so, so those were a little bit stiff. They were getting better with use, but I swear my thumbs were chafing. Yeah, um, no, they I'm, they should be like smooth as butter. They should be invisible. They should be like. Those they should be like those condoms that tell you you're not wearing a condom. They're so smooth or whatever, or whatever. I don't know, uh, but that that they should be. You should like basically never even notice that they're there. That that's only on the C. Yeah, it's only on the C. Which one has the brightest native focusing screen? Because the C's was pretty dark. Uh, the, my roller cord had the screen, but the C was much darker. They, I, I don't know. They, I, they tend to get brighter as they get newer so the f's tend to have the brightest but i mean part of that is also down to the condition of the mirror um yeah yeah. because i mean my i don't know i i've i've never really found the focusing i mean some people are like oh i gotta change the screen i've never really found it to be that much of an issue um but the f the f is definitely my f is definitely a bit brighter than my my c Okay. Um, yeah. I didn't find it an issue in practice. It's just my roller cord with its replacement split prism yeah. was yeah. noticeably brighter. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, final one. Um, coding. Lens coding. Lens. The C has a tendency to wear down. Is that true? Um. Or is it yeah, but it's also older. You know what I mean? I I don't know, and it's also a. I mean, my Zenitar's got a little more wear on it than my F planar. My C Zenitar has more, but it's also 20 years older. Um, but is there a difference in the type of coating? Because the C is single coated, I think, right? But are the later I ones like coated? I know that G is HFT coated, but like before that. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's not really a Roloflex. Right. I mean, it is, but it's, a, you know what I mean? It's like a different I, generation. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure that, that I, I, it may have changed. I, I, I really don't know. Um, uh, I, I don't know how different the coding is on say like the, you know, the Zeiss planars F later Fs are versus the earlier Fs. I don't know how much it changed over time. Um, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm just, I, I really don't know. I'm not sure that I've read a lot about like vastly improved coatings on later models. They're all pretty much the same as far as I understand it. Okay. So after all this, notice that Simon has not even considered the Tessar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Strange. <isn't it? laughs> I mean, a two, the, the only Tessar though is on the 2.8 a, and it's yeah. just, it's an archaic. I mean, it's, I've got, I have one and it's just, it's not, it's it feels more like a pre-war camera. It really does. I mean, they literally, it was the first camera they made after the war. I mean, there are people, you know, going to build cameras and then basically not being able to go home and eat at night. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a, it's a really, 
just so many little things feel like a pre-war camera on an A. So, I mean, A's I think are, they're not bad, but it's, if you're going to get a 2.8 lens on a Roly, you really don't want a 2.8 Tessar. I mean, it's just, you know, it's stretching the design. It's just not. It's yeah, just, I mean, even even three point five, the Tessar is stretched a little bit on the cord. I yeah, think. I think they do okay, but two point eight is. I think it was more to say it was a two point eight lens. I, I it's not a lens you'd want to shoot wide open, really, for the most part. Um, so you know the the two point eight A is a neat camera. I I mean, I actually really like it in a lot of ways, but it's would not be if it was my only Roloflex would not be my first choice. So, do they not make a B? Did they just skip that, or is there? No, a B? That, um, there was a B, um, and it, it had a biometer lens, the, uh, the yeah. 82.8, which again is pretty much a planar and all but name. It's you know, it's a similar design, um, but it was a very short lived model. I think they only made they made like 1200 of them, so it's a really, it's a really rare, uh camera i mean right and the d was only sold in america right because i've never seen one here uh i don't know i suppose i think i read somewhere that it was only sold in america i think that actually the a and the b were u.s export only i don't think that's true of the the anything beyond the a and the b um the a and the b you know like i said they were they're i I mean you go you can you have to picture it's 1950 4850 in Germany there's literally still piles of bricks everywhere I mean people you know I I know people who grew up in that era and like people that would just a- after work or on the weekends they'd stand in human chains and clean up bricks <laughs> still from the bombing and stuff you know what I mean even into the 50s so it, it's a that the, they were really looking for hard currency with those cameras so that the easiest way to do that was to export them directly to the U S for sale. Right. So, but you get into like the, you know, the C and the D now you're into, you know, 52, 53, 55, things were starting to, to change economically and, and so forth. So I, I think that it's only the A and the B that were really just export to the U S cameras. I don't think that's true of the others. I'm just just looking on eBay at the moment, and I mean, when I was talking about different, I mentioned different versions earlier, and I hesitated and didn't say D, uh, simply because I'm thinking I don't think I've ever even heard of a 2.8 D, and um, I'm just just looking on on sales on 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 eBay, and there's only one I could actually even find uh, of a 2.8 D. So I'm just just wondering if that was just a, another short-lived version perhaps i don't know uh no i'm looking at a production list on the d and they made uh looks like they made about twenty thousand of them right um on the c let's see they made thirty thousand on the c uh and then they made another Twenty-five thousand on the C. So there's, yeah. I mean, relatively speaking, there are fewer, probably fewer D's out there. Um, whereas the, you know, the the E's and the F's, there's quite a few of them out there. Um, so that, yeah, I suppose that that kind of makes sense, just based based purely on production numbers. That there's probably 
fewer D's floating around. Although I don't know, I've seen I don't know, I, I've seen plenty of D's in my time and at the shop and yeah exactly um so I, I it's not like they're uncommon to come across i mean but using ebay as an example yeah maybe they turn up less frequently on ebay you know okay and then one one last question from me planar versus in the tour uh, and why doesn't matter it really doesn't seriously i i i mean i i can only say that my so here's my take on it that and i'm talking about my 2.8 c zenitara versus my 2.8 f planar the f planar being essentially in like freaking mint condition the c being a used but not abused user that's 20 years older right or on nearly 20 years older um they have the same amount of sharpness the f is higher contrast the c is lower contrast the C has, to me, a little bit more character, um, and maybe that's down to the template aperture and the way that it, I don't know, and the way that it falls off in the highlights. I don't know. I can't tell you. All, all I can say is that there's no difference in sharpness, but the my planar, there's definitely a difference in contrast. So the F is contrastier, I would say, but it's not any, in terms of raw, pure sharpness, it's not any sharper. Um, color wise, yeah, I mean, I've always found this, the C Zenitar to be a perfect black and white camera. And I basically bought the F planar to shoot, uh, uh, chromes in. And I basically always had black and white in the Zenitar camera and chrome film in the, in the planar camera. Um, but I've done it the other way too, and it works just fine. So I don't know. It's to me, it's really, I, I, I don't know that there's really any huge subjective difference between the two. E- either one is going to be great. I, 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 let's put it this way. I don't think that the price premium of the planars is in any way logical. <laughs> it, it's just, it's just, they're, they're more highly valued because of the Zeiss name, I think. And that's, that's about it. I, I like, I mean, browsing Flickr is never a scientific way of doing this. Yeah. Um, but I like the pictures I've seen from the Zenitar quite a bit more. Yeah. Uh, although that's probably more down to the photographers that are using them than, than the actual. Lenses. Yeah, could be. I mean, I, I, I would say that my planar arguably has more of that mythical Zeiss micro contrast slash 3D pop, perhaps. I mean, I've got a couple of shots on that camera that are just... You know, it's just really, really highly noticeable that effect, um, and they tend to be on that planar. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's to me, it's like if you can get a better deal on a planar camera than a Zenitar or a camera, either either way, flip that either way. You can't go wrong with either one. So, so I don't think like it, it's not like anybody would feel like they had a le- should feel like they have a lesser camera if it doesn't have the planar so, so simon which direction is your gas pushing you <laughs> um I, I i quite fancy a 2.8 d um but that's probably just because they're a little bit less common um yeah i yeah i've got no real more of a reason than that really it's hard to for me it's hard to overcome the 10 blades of the sea um like the locks the locks might 
do it. But as Johnny said, if it's a nice one, it shouldn't matter. Yeah. Uh, one five hundredth of a second is to me the biggest down, like biggest negative of the C, but then the 10 blades is the biggest positive. So it's like, you know, either one of those or else it's a D or an E. It's uh, the only, it's, it's like, the only positive, but it's a big positive. <laughs> True. True. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to be, I've, there have been plenty of shots where I realized, oh, I'm locked in 500, and I just stopped down an extra stop. It's just, I, I don't know. I just don't think of it as being a huge. No, but the opposite happened to me because I was shooting uh, in an area where some of it was super bright sunlight, yeah, and some of it was in like shade, which is right. like you know three or four stops darker, right? And there was one shot I took in really bright sunlight, then I cocked the shutter. And then I wanted to take a shot in the shade. Yeah. So I needed to lower my shutter speed. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I'd be shooting at like f2.8 and it was still not quite enough. Yeah, um, just fire it that, and cock it again. <laughs> just just blow a shot and fire it again. I mean, it's, I don't know. I just, it's never bothered. Well, I guess what you could do is fire it, like put the lens cap back on, fire it, and then well, wind it for double exposure. Well, right. I was just going to say on the C, it was the first model with the double exposure. Uh, override so i mean you could very easily just fire the shutter you know with the double exposure override thingy on although i guess you'd have to have crank that no you're right you could fire it with the lens cap on right you could do the double crank and you'd be back you'd be back in business so yes you could you could do that that's true yeah that'd be pretty annoying because if you've got a hood on the camera and which you should You'd have to take the hood off, or at least you'd have to cover it over with your hand. You don't have to put a cap on it, but you'd have to cover it over with your hand. And so, I yeah, I could see that could be annoying. I just, I, to me, I would just blow the frame and go to the next one. I don't know. Well, I have a bunch of uh, Bay 3 accessories now with no camera to use them. So, you have to get one. Uh, well, I'm going to take my sweet time looking for a good one. But, Simon, um, if I get one with, like, a hood and then you get one that has no hood for whatever reason, I will have a spare hood and I'll just send you that. So don't worry about if oh. you, if you see a good deal on one and it's not hooded, just grab that sucker and I'll send you a hood because those hoods are freaking expensive, man. They're like 90 pounds. Yeah. yeah. I've got to say, access, you can, accessories you, and cameras are, can be just nuts at times. They are really ridiculous. The Chinese knockoff hoods are cheaper. Yeah, but, yeah. but that's, I can't use the word. Chinese, that, Chinese I would have Chinese used in the eighties. I can't use that word anymore. But it is. I'm, I'm just, a huge, it's huge. It's huge. It's hugely that word. I was. I was um, watching a, a huge argument that you you were having. Was it? Was it Andrew Lawson? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Explain a bit more about about that because I was watching it as a, as a neutral observer. I'm thinking, why? Why? What? What's the deal? What's the problem? Just oh, he was, I was, he was saying adapters, right? Yeah, I was just purposely being a dick. That's the Wait. that's the complete summation of that. I was I was being, I was I was all I was saying was that everything is so perfectly designed to work flawlessly and effortlessly on a on a two point eight camera that you're missing out on the joy of the experience of using it if you do things like put adapters on it and stuff. Like just it it should be it should be used as God intended it to be used. And 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 not and not bring any human intervention to that. So so no go on. I was going to say I'm I'm sort of I'm sort of with that um, to 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 a degree. I I do like things to be right, but sometimes there just can be 
just a sheer joy of just coming up with some other way that that just works or that goes against the grain as well yeah, you're not smarter than the people who design the camera that's my I point. Think lens cap go for it like you know use whatever cheap knockoff lens cap as long as it fits yeah right i agree but i agree I, I, I had a yellow filter for the couple for the day and a half i was shooting this roloflex and the ba- original bay threes are really nice you know they just click on in a really satisfying way yeah and the hood and the hood fits right over that perfectly I mean, right. it just, it all is meant to work together and it works together. No, Andrew's point was fine though. I mean, if you got, if you buy the adapter and then you buy the filter to go on it, it's just going to lock on and off as if it was a filter, but then you've got to have to really accomplish that ease of effort. You're going to have to buy several adapters, one for each filter. Although Otherwise, I think his, his point was he had a bunch of 43 millimeter filters already. So right, a three right. to 43 is, right. you know. But then unless you have multiple adapters for each filter, you're screwing, you're still screwing the filter on and off the adapter each time. Right. You've just, you've just completely lost your erection. (laughs) In the midst of doing that, you've completely lost your erection. So you yeah, but you pulled yourself out of the zone. You've pulled yourself out of the effortless beauty of using the camera and now you're think you're thinking because you're you've you've gone outside of the realm of God's perfection. So that's why it's not worth it. You're you're shortchanging yourself. It's you're 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 going to Paris and you're finding a McDonald's. I mean it's you know what I mean you're just it's, it wasn't meant to be. You shouldn't do that because you're just you're you're shortchanging your own self, and your own limited time on this planet should not be shortchanged, especially when it comes to a Rolleiflex. That was my point. Okay, well, um, <laughs> I I think that's probably a uh, a good point uh, to uh, to bring that part of the discussion uh, to an end, and uh, and this is going to be a relatively short show. Um, now, are there any other things we want to talk about before we start to wind down? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So thank you for, you know, I thought I'd gone over this whole Rolleiflex thing after this weekend, but you, Simon, you just reignited my gas for it. Um, but I will say that, you know, shooting the Rollicord uh, is very pleasant and it makes me question whether I need a Rolleiflex because it is lighter. Mm-hmm. And I find I am significantly more self-conscious when I'm shooting the Rolleiflex, or at least I was, but maybe that's just an illusion because I only had it for a day and I was like, oh, look at this shiny thing I've got. Yeah. It's so strange. Um, but, you know, after the disappointment of reto- returning the screwed up Rolleiflex, I, I, the last few days I've just been shooting my Leicas because, you know, I love them. But the first day I was like, i got to pick a camera that brings me joy every time I shoot it. And I was like looking through my entire pile and collection of cameras and I, I realized that there's one camera that I love shooting. Every single time I shoot it, I adore it. And it never lets me down. And I have just pure unbridled fun shooting it. And I'm going to tell you what that camera is because I was surprised. That camera is the Nikon S2. Wow. I love that camera, I realize. I, 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 hate, I hate the design of the mount and the focusing wheel. But I love that camera. And I think the reason I love it is because it lets me shoot... Two lenses, three lenses, but two lenses in particular, the Zeiss 21 Biogon and the Zeiss 35 Biogon without having to put them on a stupid contacts. 
with a with a one to one viewfinder um, for focusing, and then just an external finder. I think the fact that that camera lets me shoot those two lenses, it just feels so good, and it's such a joy. If you put any other lens on that camera, I'd just like throw it in the bin. I don't want it anymore. Um, but I, it's the best way to shoot. So I went out and I shot with the twenty one Biogon, the thirty five Biogon, and also this new nineteen thirty six collapsible five uh, cm f two sonar in contacts RF mount that I got. Um, and they all have the same filter size. They're all silver and look wonderful. And it, it's such a nice setup. And that sonar, the results in black and white are just like, mm, they're mint. They're lovely. So I have sitting in right here in front of me, I have a Kiev with a Biogon on it and, uh, a, and a black Voigtlander 35 metal finder. Yeah, that's the same finder I used. It's a joy. And, and this is the camera that I kept when I – this is the camera that made me not really give almost a second thought to dumping my S2. Because it – there. do you have right. a Kiev or do you have a Kiev, Perry? I've played with Kievs. I don't, I don't have one. Yeah. There, so it's a, it's a far less slick version of the, the Nikon, really, and it's a working version of a Contax. Um, so – I totally know what you mean about the S2, but I, I, it's, you know, I really don't get rid of stuff. <laughs> and I honestly had, I had, I had less trouble dumping that camera and lens than any camera I can think of. And only because, only, I think only because I have a Kiev that works, knock right. on wood, right? So I could do this, I could use all the same lenses and the user experience is definitely not as slick, but it's, good enough that like is okay. It, okay, okay no no i totally get that because the key is not shooting the nikon yeah like if you put a nikon lens on that camera it sucks um it the key is not shooting that camera the key is not having to use a contacts right uh, to shoot those lenses because those lenses are gorgeous yeah but the contacts you know the, whether it's a 2a or a 3 or whatever they have the worst viewfinder they have the most irritating like advanced system loading them you know you, you're likely to cut yourself uh and so they're just like as users i find them just deeply obnoxious although yeah. as collectible items i think they're gorgeous and that's why i have three of them i just would never want to go shoot with one right yeah yeah no i agree with you and that i guess my my only point was if you've got a really nice kiev you're most of the way there also yeah exactly yeah. apart right. from the apart from the winder yeah yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but the the Nikons are nice though. They're beautiful. The S2 particularly because the other ones for me have kind of cluttered viewfinders. Yeah. Um the S2 with it's a single 50 millimeter frame line, one to one, good contrast with the patch. It just I, I love I love yeah, it. Yes, it's, it's nice. So cool. So that is that that's, that's rangefinder talk over there for this. Oh, come on, it's oh, thought, context. Thought, thought, thought <laughs> It's contacts love, Simon. Surely you got some some love in in your body for some contacts RF stuff. Yeah, I, I quite like the contacts uh, rangefinders personally. I think they're fine. You uh, like the cameras? I, yeah, just don't want to use them. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. No, no, I I love the cameras as well as long as I don't have to use them. Yeah, they're really nice to look at. Okay, well, um, let's move things on uh, because we have one email. Um, so let, let's do our email. Have you got that teed up, Johnny? I have it. 
I have an email here that says subject. Thank you. Um, it says, um, hi guys. I started listening to the podcast maybe around a year ago on and off. Wasn't until Corona lockdown 1.0 Melbourne is in the middle of lockdown 2.0 that I started listening to episodes almost back to back. Uh, last year on my honeymoon, I went to Chicago, you poor bastard. And as I usually do, I looked up, quote, best camera stores being Central Camera, uh, where I was lucky enough to f uh, have a fantastic conversation with uh, a man at the 35 millimeter desk for nearly an hour while the owner of the store sat down with my wife and shared chocolates and stories. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, this is one of the highlights of my trip. And imagine my surprise that uh, slowly... Uh, at slowly learning where Johnny works for the podcast and learning that the person I spoke to this. Oh my God. Spoke to him. I remember this guy. Hold on. Sorry. I'm interrupting his email. Spoke to him. In the store was almost certainly him. He spoke highly and was enthusiastic about uh, the X pan. I showed him uh, even though in hindsight, he probably sees them all the time. My wife and I were very sorry to hear about the store and uh, hope you all get back on your feet soon. I made a small donation to Kofi and hope uh, to do it again soon. I cannot uh, stress enough how much listening to you all talk, your banter, as they say in the UK, has brought happiness in a dark time and how nice it is to feel you're letting, uh, you're getting to know people despite never really meeting them. Keep up the great work and be safe. Regards, Jem. I remember meeting Jem also. That's really, this is really cool to have a re kind of reconnect like that. Um, and I, you know, it's not like I'd, I would see X-Pans every day. They would come in every once in a while, and I would always kind of like leap over the counter and go, X-Pan, X-Pan, <laughs> and freak out a little bit. So I, I remember this really well, and uh, was was super nice to meet uh, him and his wife. Um, yeah, that's great. That's awesome, Jem. Thanks for listening, and thanks for following up. Yeah, that's a, that's, 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 a, that's a sweet email. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it came in. I think just after we finished recording uh, last, last week's show, and uh, and I, I, I read it. And I thought, oh, this is nice. This <laughs> is just <laughs> yeah, the, the, the whole thing about it. And um, yeah, it's it's that as I say, that it's that uh, that tying tying something together that uh, something that happened in the past, and now we, and it and it and it comes back. It's a it's a lovely thing when that happens. Yeah. That's super cool. And Australians are like, we, we get people from all over the world um, at Central Camera. Um, and the Australians are always, they're, they're just the nicest people. They really are. Um, so, yeah, it's, I, I always remember when the Australians come in because they're just, they're super nice people. Um, so, yeah, that was awesome, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you wrote. And, um, yeah, that's, that's really nice to hear. Okay, well that uh, that also teases up quite nicely to uh, say thank you to the the three people that have um, helped us out this week. Uh, first watch, uh, first of which is Jem, um, and uh, we've just just heard from Jem, and also um, we have uh, regular contributors of uh, Mike Epstein and Barry Carr. Um, so uh, thank thank you both, Thanks, well, all three of you. Um, okay, so I think that's it. Um, so any shout outs, Perry? Any shout outs? Uh, no, not this week. Okay. Johnny? Um, I'd probably have a bunch, but I'm just going to give the usual one to Robbie J for, um, just being my pal and keeping my spirits up and hanging out and messing around with cameras. And it's always good. He came out, he came over the other day and we just stood around and talked about rollies and, 
all sorts of stuff for a couple hours. It was great. Um, oh, he he bought a Rolleiflex right before our last show came out, right? He was like, he did and so we talked about this because I'm like, what did you two guys do to each other? I mean, he, and and then he's like, no, I had no idea that Perry bought a bought a Rolleiflex, and so so Rob Robbie bought a 2.8 C, like you know, almost the same exact time as you did, yeah. um, and his is on the his is on the way. Um, but I was like, did you, did you guys coordinate that or what? It was just ridiculous. So, so Robbie came over and played with my C and we tried on the different rolling R's so he could see like, you know, how close each rolling R with the, the, basically that the focus range is between all of them. Um, so yeah, he's got a 2.8 C and a rolling R2 on the way, which for him is pretty damn perfect setup. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was funny. It was just really funny. He had no idea, Perry, that you had bought one. Okay, well, uh, I'll do... I have one shout-out, and that's that uh, because I've actually been in the car a little bit more, I've actually caught up with a few podcasts, and um, I just want to give a shout-out to the Digital Analog Collective who are on Season 2. Um, actually, no, that's their Facebook group. It's the uh, ULIC, um, Ultra Low ISO Club, but um, they're... Facebook group is the Digital Analog Collective. And, um, yeah, so they're on season two, whatever seasons are. Um, are we still on season one? I'm not entirely sure how that works. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so, yeah, so um, they did a few uh, podcasts last year and they've uh, started them back up again. And that's uh, they specialise more in talking about ultra-low ISO film. Um, but it's they don't just talk about film, they also talk about digital as well. And, um, yeah, they cover some interesting areas. I mean, the, the discussion on the current show uh, was largely about infrared, although they, they also touched on, they tried not to, but they kept on going back and talking about uh, ultraviolet, ultraviolet film as well. Um, so, yeah, if you fancy something that's a little bit different, a little bit offbeat uh, with the, uh, the the subject matter, that's uh, well worth a, a listen to there. Uh, there nice. Can I quickly ask a question about that? Yeah. Sorry, sorry I, didn't, I didn't realize that they made... Um, Films. I mean, it makes sense that they would, but there's there's films specifically for ultraviolet photography as opposed to infrared. That's cool. Yeah. Well, that was actually one of the point of uh, one one of the. Oh, sorry, guys, I can't remember who who was talking. Um, uh, but it was a case of yes, everybody seems to know about ultraviolet. Uh, sorry, infrared film. Um, but it just goes. Yeah, you know, it stands to reason there should be something at the other end of the spectrum as yeah. well. But you just don't think about it. And um, so, so yeah, the, and it's not, it's it, in, in some cases, well, like I say, the show is more, far more about infrared than it was ultraviolet, but you know, there, there are going to be some films that are, um, that can record the spectrum at the, at the lower end as well as at the, the, the higher end and uh, be, be sensitive to those, uh, to those wavelengths. Um, oh, well, if, if any of those guys, um, cause I've seen people do it on digital and it totally makes sense that there's the film as we were, as you were just saying, but, uh, if any of those guys are listening to this podcast, um, you should get the W a Cal or Petri Kurabayashi, uh, 35 millimeter F 3.5. If you don't already have it, because that lens is legendary for UV photography. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I was hoping you weren't going to say that because I've <laughs> decided to look for one. <laughs> now oh. everybody is as well now. Uh, oh, you know what you should do? You should just bleep that out. <laughs> just, just bleep it out of this episode and then, and then we'll just stick it in as like an outtake to the next week's episode just to troll yeah. people. Yeah, when, I've, when, I've, when I've got one, I'll let people know what it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, I think, yeah, we, we have talked about that, that lens in the past. So I was listening to that and I was thinking, I've got to get that Petri. Get that battery, you know, but uh, I don't know, we'll see. Um, so yeah, so uh, if you've got time, uh, check, check them out. Um, right then, so uh, Perry, outside of this podcast, where where can you be found? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Flickr at Perry G, and you will also find me wandering around the air conditioned uh, areas of Hong Kong these days. And Johnny, <laughs> uh, you can find me for a hot minute on Facebook till I'm banned again. Um, and- I mean, I'm probably just going to be off Facebook soon anyway, because I don't want to be there. So getting banned would do me a favor. Uh, so other than that, now that's that's it. So you can find me there and that's it. Or you can come visit me in Illinois and socially distance and stand on my front porch if you want. Well, big, big question. If you, I mean, if you're thinking of going somewhere else other than Facebook, I mean, there is the Discord group that we're part yeah, of. That- it's, it's not ours. It's uh, we, we piggyback somewhere in the, uh, the Sunny 16 uh, Discord group. So uh, yeah, that, might that, check, check that out. Yeah. Yes. I have to send me a link or something in a second, find it. But um, yeah, that would be, that would, might be a, might be an option. Mm-hmm. And there's a diaspora as well. Di- so. Diaspora. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I know nothing about still. Um, which I'm, I'm not entirely. The, uh, the only issue I've got with that before I've even got in there and understood it more is just the fact that people are, need to be anonymous on there, or they tend to be anonymous, I should say. And uh, that's one of the things I actually quite like about Facebook is that, you know, in theory, you're talking to real people. It doesn't stop them being idiots at times, but yeah, you've got an idea who these people are. Whereas with aliases, people, I think it's a easier to to be a bit of an arsehole um, with an alias than it is if you're actually putting your real name out there that's my my thought so i don't know if they're harder to control uh, those groups when or, or not or you just get the right kind of people in the first place and it should be fine which is in most cases that applies to our our facebook group um which is full of good people uh, that's good people as in really good people not in the uh, donald trump term of uh, good people um so um so there we go so um other uh, getting in touch with us what are the best ways of getting in touch with us johnny uh send email to classic lenses podcast at gmail.com is the best way um and also visit uh classic lenses podcast.com for all the show notes and also for all of the amazing swag that you can buy <laughs> fanny packs coming soon new t-shirts coming soon there have been major supply disruptions because of covid so we haven't been able to add some new products in, but there's new stuff coming soon. Um, oh, and I, I just just on that subject, I, I was wearing my Classic Lenses podcast shirt yesterday. Oh, and, yes, and uh, it's a good shirt. And it was getting envious glances from uh, from the various members of the Six Times Darkroom Club that I went wow. to, um, to the point where they were suggesting, you know what? Wouldn't it be better if they got, the word got out and you just give us some T-shirts and then we can <laughs> you know, put put the word out for you? And I goes. 
well, I haven't got any t-shirts, but perhaps you know, would you would you like uh, would you like some baseball caps saying um, Bokake? <laughs> 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 and they sort of declined and sort of moved away from me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked to hear that. Actually, <laughs> well, that's only because they, that's only because they haven't uh, thought about accessorizing a Bokake camo ball cap yet with a um, uh, gear acquisition monkey fanny pack. <laughs> so once that once that is an option, I'm sure their opinion will change. Yeah. Uh, also, you can let's see the other way to follow us, but not really follow us is on uh, Instagram. Look for Best Vintage Lens on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, Simon Four. I'm on Instagram as Simon Force the Photographic. Um, we hang out in the Facebook group, or still hang out in the Facebook group at this moment, um, which is the Classic Lenses podcast um, Facebook group. Uh, you can also hear me every two weeks or so on the large format photography podcast with Andrew Bartram. Um, and I'm sure there was something else I was going to say, but it's just completely gone. So uh, let's bring it to a proper close and, um, and say, well, I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. And if you can, be like Carl.